brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This month's Where Did the Road Go is sponsored by Allison Cook and Super Inframan. If you'd like to help support the show, you can do so at wheredidtheroadgo.com. And now our show. Transmission start. Welcome to Where Did the Road Go? Join us as we wander off the path and explore lost history, consciousness, the paranormal, unexplained mysteries, alternative thought, and much more. We are present on the web at wheredidtheroadgo.com. Now here is your host, Soraya. Welcome to this edition of Where Did the Road Go? Tonight I am joined by Mr. Timothy Renner. Hello, Tim. Hey, glad to be back. And uh, the one thing about being sort of uh, stuck home is that we have maybe a little chance to do some extra content for people. Yeah, that's what we're trying to do over at Strange Familiars. And I know I talked to you about doing it for both of our shows. So um, yeah. maybe we can uh, get people's minds off uh, the virus for a while. So you've had, uh, you were telling me about your, the, the hike you just took and what you found. Yeah, yeah, it was a, a very interesting day. And when was this? So this would have been Monday. Okay. Um, in the past, I've, I'm sure I've talked about it on your show before. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I've been finding skulls on Bigfoot investigations and so forth. And this started on Toad Road, I believe. Like, uh, the, the one day when I saw something there, I was hiking there by myself and I followed it. And ended up finding a skull impaled on a branch. This was a deer skull at eye level in the middle of the trail. And I've told the story on my podcast and yours, I believe. Probably. Mm-hmm. I, I think so, yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, with that is that started this series of events where I started finding skulls on Bigfoot investigations. I would get called on a Bigfoot investigation. You know, somebody saw a creature, blah, 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 whatever. I'd go out and I'd find a skull usually a deer skull prominently placed not i'm not digging around in bushes or anything there just just be there like out in the open and i i found you know i want to say dozens of skulls maybe like a lot a lot of skulls and um it just stopped it seemed to stop last year or so and i thought well i guess that's done i guess i'm not finding skulls anymore well a few weeks ago we did a on-site episode uh, about this fellow named Lee Master in Maryland. And uh, I was bopping around in, in the woods. There was a nature sanctuary uh, that was up against his property that we could hike. And uh, his property, he, he, was, he died in the 1700s. So uh, his, what was his property? But anyway, as I'm hiking through this area, it's, you know, not populated, in the middle of the woods, not on a trail. 
I'm pushing through here and I find a plastic skull and uh, it's like, oh, I guess I'm finding skulls again. Like jokingly, I said this. So the next thing I did as far as like, you know, anything paranormal or whatever is, is I asked uh, my sometimes co-host Chad. I said, Chad, let's, you know, do you want to go on my annual toad road hike? And he said, sure. You know, so we, we go out there and um, we, in about the middle of the road, um, fr- from end to end, that middle, not not in the middle of the you know the mm-hmm. road, and and calling it a road is generous at this point. You've been on yeah. part yep. of it. It's it's a trail basically. Um, but in about the middle of it, there's a there's a hemlock grove. Uh, right before you would get into this hem- hemlock grove is about where I found that initial skull impaled on a branch. It wasn't quite there. It was you know right before you would get into this. But, uh, and I told Chad as we were going into us, uh, this is the part that I find the creepiest on the whole road, this, this whole part in there. There also happens to be a couple boulder fields you walk through. So that's a, that's a thing, I guess, you know, with the missing 401 stuff. And uh, as we were making our way through this part, um, there's, a, there's a part where the, the road or trail is, is really flooded out and muddy. And there's sort of an alternate trail you can take that, that goes on a little ridge up above it. We bop onto that little ridge, and first I see a bright blue mylar balloon. And I don't know if people have been following Strange Familiars or Strange Brow Radio or even Hellier, but uh, mylar balloons are, are now a thing that people are finding in, in weird places. And why, it, why would that be? I do not know. I cannot tell you why. We found one in Pandemonium. Uh, when we talked about Pandemonium with Tobe from Strangebrow, who has similar synchronicities going on, he had found a Mylar balloon as well. And then, and this all happened, like my Pandemonium episodes were recorded before the second season of Hellier came out. And then Mylar balloons feature prominently in Hellier season two. So... I do not know why I had had long before this, I had had Bigfoot people tell me that they keep finding mylar balloons in areas of Bigfoot activity. And it was one of those things that I was just like, what? Like that makes no sense. And just kind of like, it must be a coincidence and wrote it off. Of course, until it started happening to me. And then <laughs> kind of, went, well, maybe this is, <laughs> maybe this is the thing. So we find a mylar balloon. We, we take a picture of that and not 10 steps from that. I find a skull. <laughs> I, I bend down, I pick up the skull, and I, immediately it looked odd to me. I'm like, that's, that looks weird. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, that's not a deer. And I, I turn it around, and it took me a couple seconds of looking at it. I was like, that's a pig skull. And so this is the middle of the road. There's not, people have asked me, is there, is there a pig farm out here? No, there, I mean, not anywhere close to it. You know, um, the skull I found has an impact wound in the middle of the forehead. It looks like someone either shot it or maybe, you know, I don't know if they, I know they kill some, some animals with a hammer blow to the head. I don't know if that right, was yeah. with this and some kind of impact wound in the middle of the bone in the, in the skull. Uh, but weird, you know, a, a pig skull and I don't believe 
so I looked up uh, wild boar in Pennsylvania, and at one time we recently in recent years we did have them in York County, but I don't believe these are these were wild boar. I think these were domestic pigs. Looking at the the skulls, so we make our way up to the end of the road and turn around and come back. It's an out and back hike. Um, and we're coming back and we're back in this hemlock grove again, and we're now you know, maybe 10 or 20 yards on the other side of the balloon, going back the other way. And Chad says, is that another skull? And it's just off the trail. And I, w- I went over and picked it up and it was a second pig skull. So we're dealing with something now that, that as I said, and I recorded all this, so this will all be on a, on a future strange familiars episode. You can hear the, the, you know, the audio. Yeah, as, as we did. But I said at the time, so what are the chances of finding a Mylar balloon on Toad Road? And then 10 steps later, finding any kind of skull. Then hmm. what are the chances of that being a pig skull? Then coming back the other way, what are the chances of finding another skull? And then that being a second pig skull. It just seems very, very odd to me. The, the chances of this. Yeah, I don't. Hmm. I'm not sure how you would even calculate that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, <laughs> it's very, very bizarre. Especially and since you haven't found one before. Not pig skull. I mean, I've found deer skull. I find raccoon skulls, skunk skulls. You know, you name it. But um, the. I've never found a pig skull for sure. I mean, never. Hmm. The, the The day went on for us and we had like several other synchronicities and we were playing with, um, I don't know if you've seen the, the Randonaut app. No. It's uh it's an app you can get on your phone and I, I hesitate to describe it because I really don't know how it works, but it's something to do with quantum computing and, and directing you to places nearby where you can find synchronicities. Again, I'm not the guy to explain this. Hmm. If you look up the Randonautica app, um, they can, they explain a lot better, but after we found the skulls, now we didn't, that app didn't lead us to the skulls, the skulls we just found in the course of our walking, but we were playing with that app the rest of the day and and had uh, some pretty interesting other little synchros as a result of following. Basically the app will lead you to places where it, it thinks you may find synchronicities using these these quantum things. So we followed That's the interesting. app. interesting. Yeah, we followed the app to where it told us to go, and, and we did find some, some interesting things as well. But um, so I was thinking about these pig skulls, and I did find a newspaper article from 1908 and I thought I had put this in my book, but I look back and, and I never put it in my book. I think I maybe talked about it on the third episode of Strange Familiars way back whenever that was. So, while he, this is a odd shooting affair. This is from 1908. Uh, while he stooped to cut a hole in a hog snout, a revolver dropped from the inside pocket of the coat of Perlis Gingrich of near Starview, York County, and discharged the bullet penetrating the young man's breast just above the heart. 
His condition is serious. The injured man, who is about 22 years old, went to Kedora's furnace Thursday morning to assist Jacob Wambaugh in butchering. One hog had been killed in order to get a grip on its snout to pull it away from the place it fell. Young Giggers was using a knife to cut a hole in the snout. He stooped and the revolver fell from his pocket and was discharged. So, while it says he went to Kedora's furnace, I mean, Kedora's furnace is very near to this. <laughs> are these the two skulls of the pigs in question? That's that's my my, uh, mm. my question. I don't know. Like from the age of them, I don't know. They they're definitely old. They have moss on them. Um, but you know, are, are they the skulls mentioned in this article? I don't know. But I thought it was very interesting. Huh. Okay. That would be <laughs> that would be freaky if it was. Yeah. Yeah. And how would you have missed them before? I don't know. That's the thing. I don't know. They they were easy to see, you know. They they were easy to see, uh, both of them, and you know, in in other weird synchros, the the uh, my other sometimes co-host John, he works on a a local um, farm, and uh, like a CSA kind of place, and uh, they had pigs show up on the farm this week. Two domestic, two domestic pigs showed up on his farm this week. Hmm. So. Well, maybe, maybe the pigs are take, taking over. Uh. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if, if, if pigs, uh, I had someone say, you know, you're going to start getting pig man sightings. I hope not. That sounds Why? horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Um. Yeah, I haven't, you know, the thing is, because of all the stuff that's going on, we're technically living in probably the most liminal time period that any of us have ever experienced. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what, uh, even before the virus stuff, Chad's been saying, like, I feel like it's ramping up. I feel like it's ramping up. And uh, I, I was talking to Josh last night, and he, he he said, you know, he described Chad as an antenna, which uh, he may be, it, we, we still haven't determined whether it's, chad alone or chad and i together that are that somehow make this but it it you know chad has certainly had experiences without me so it, it may in fact be that chad is an antenna to mm-hmm. this stuff i, I I'll, I'll allow for that but um it was very very interesting that that uh and i i'm finding skulls again apparently apparently that's going to be a thing again with me and and the other interesting um i've only had a couple of odd things happen uh, that I can think of, um, all uh, well, kind of kind of one odd thing that's happened three times, I guess. The first one was while I was laying, and all these happened while I was awake. I, well, okay, two of them happened while I was awake. One of them happened that woke me up. Um, the two that happened while I was awake was I was I was laying, and the ear that was I always lay on my side. The ear that was up toward you know not in the pillow literally heard a flute note get played. Ooh. And it's like, I'm just sitting there and I hear, Doot, and I'm like, what? It's like, it. I'm thinking, was it a recorder? No, it sounded like a flute. But I mean, I guess it could have been a recorder, but I, I'm going to go with flute on it. Um, and it happened once, and I don't even think I noted it. I was just kind of like, that was odd. All right, you know, and whatever. And then it happened again a few nights ago. I'm just laying there about to go to sleep and I hear a flute note and I'm like, there's nothing that should be making that noise. Wow. And it was very clear. And I'm like, I don't know what that means, but it's weird. 
And the other one, I think I was half awake. I had, had been asleep, and I was like half awake. And the ear that was down into the pillow heard a scream. And it sounded like, uh, I think my first response is it sounded like something on an early Celtic Frost album. <laughs> but it was kind of just a, ah. And I was like, okay, that was something I just heard. It was distant, but it was right in my ear at the same time. And I've had, I, years ago, we had something like that happen when we got back from a concert. We were sitting in a car, uh, me and a friend of mine. And we heard someone yell, and it sounded distant, but at the same time, it sounded like it was right in the car with us. Hmm. And then afterwards, there were all these lights that flashed across the ground and stuff, but this had nothing else to it. It's just, it made that noise, and it, I mean, at that point, now I'm wide awake, because as soon as I started to hear it, I was like, what? And then I sat there for a minute, I'm like, I should probably get up? But then I'm like, but what am I going to do? That clearly didn't come from a human source. Right. So like if, if it was my other ear, I might have gotten up and checked the house, but coming from the ear that's pressed into the pillow, there's no reason I should have heard anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, and this was recently. Yeah, this was like two nights ago. Hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, like you said, we couldn't be in a more liminal time. Like, everyone is in a liminal time right now. Yeah. yeah. Like, the whole batch of humanity. Exactly. And if this stuff has something to do with the human experience, as we have posited it, it may, you know, mm-hmm. it's uh, primed for, for stuff to happen here. That's true. That is true. Huh. And I guess we'll see. I mean, not for everyone, obviously. Yeah. 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 We'll see. I mean, you know, may, maybe I'm wrong and maybe, uh, you know, the other plays by its own rules. So maybe well, it we'll certainly see. does that. Yeah. Takes you one way and then drops you another way. So Allison's asking to go out to site seven. So uh, we're going to go take her out there and we'll see Hmm. if if she sees anything. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Of course, she's fully convinced she's going to just explain the lights right away and tell tell me what they are. (laughs) Well, she can. Good luck to her. (laughs) I mean, I didn't see any distinct lights, unfortunately, when I was there. Yeah, that's a shame too because they just wouldn't stay on. It's like they were just blinking off, blinking off. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, it's just too hard to to tell what they could be. You know. Well, hopefully, sometime soon, I'll be able to come back down and we can we can go back out to that. You know, maybe once all this passes and take another look. Yeah, yeah, and we can go in. Uh, Chad and I have been discussing some other ways to approach that problem. So. Mm. Okay. There's some, there's some other ways we might, uh, like, uh, get behind the lights. We, we, that's our, our big, that's what we want to do next, get behind them and see if we can still see them. That's, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So that, that brings us to one of the things I had, had written down that, that I wanted to talk about. Why is it some people have a ton of experiences throughout their life, which I think is more common Hell, I don't know. And then you have the people who have that one experience. Mm-hmm. So, like, what, what is going on with, what's the difference there? Because the people who have experiences their whole life, people like me, people like you, they, they take all different forms. Right. You know, and sometimes people separate them out where they don't look at it as a whole because that's kind of how our culture has approached this stuff up to this point. Um, so they'll say, oh, well, it's, you know, uh, 
I had a ghost sighting, but then they don't count those weird lights they saw because mm-hmm. that had nothing to do with the ghost sighting. But but you also saw weird lights. Oh, and you had this weird cryptic thing, and you had uh, prophetic dreams, and you had this, and you had that. But they're separating them all out so they don't realize they've had all these experiences that may have a common common cause to them. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, talking to as many people as I talk to, and, and, and I'm sure it's the case as you as well, I often run into people who say, I've never had anything strange happen to me. Mm-hmm. But then if you get them talking long enough, often you'll find this. Well, I did. There was this thing that happened. <laughs> at, but that, you know, and they'll describe either like essentially a ghost sighting or a UFO sighting or whatever it might be. And they'll yeah. just say, but that was nothing. And then you say, well, no, that was something. <laughs> that, that was something. <laughs> That was exactly what we're talking about here. Yeah, yeah, but some people it just doesn't register for them, or it just doesn't. I don't know. I don't. They just don't want to live there. I guess where you know, right, right. But as far as people having lots of stuff, for some people, I I mean, for me specifically, at least lately, I put myself in places again and again. You know, I put myself in weird places and, and liminal places and. So for me, to me, that's kind of the, the beginning and ending of it. Like, like, well, maybe not the ending of it, but certainly the, a big part of it for me is I put myself in these strange places. And even when I have witnesses, you know, if I can meet a witness someplace, I put myself in that place and, you know, add my experience to their experiences and so forth. So I think I'm generally open to it. I'm, I'm open to it and I'm noting you know, everything that comes my way in terms of senses and, and I'm, I'm there to pick up and I'm looking for, for weird stuff and I'm looking for synchronicities and looking for stuff. So, but for people who aren't out there looking for it, I wonder at, like we were saying, if some people aren't like more antennas for stuff and, mm-hmm. and are, it's just drawn to them for whatever reason. Hmm. Yeah, I've I've definitely had those conversations with people. Uh, a good friend of mine had said something like, oh, "I've never had anything weird happen," and we're talking about different stuff. And then he goes, "Well, you know, I guess I did see UFOs once." Yeah, and then yeah. he goes on to tell me about this really strange, you know, these really strange lights that didn't have any other good explanation. And I'm like, "Nope, that's a pretty good UFO story." Yeah, yeah. But I then, mean, it happens again and again. And then he follows it with, but I don't think they were aliens. I'm like, well, neither do I. We're okay. You know? Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's, and I think that's the thing. Like, people are like, oh, you know, it's a... Uh, they don't believe necessarily that aliens are here, but they know they saw a UFO, and they don't know how to put those two together. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, if you just, just kind of not put those two together, you know, just accept that you saw something odd and stop trying to define it, it, it you know, you... You do much better with them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I don't know. I mean... I do like to stress that... So, I, I don't believe anyone has magical powers. You know, th- this stuff is... I think everyone I has saying, magical powers. Well, there. Either everyone does or no one does. How's that? How right. That? Okay. Fine. No one has... No one's like a superhero. They don't have like a special, you know, ability that other people don't have. I think some people... I usually say it, it's like it's like artwork. Like I happen to have been born with with an eye for it, but mm-hmm. I could teach you or anyone 
to draw and be a, be better than they are. You know what I mean? And develop that skill. I, I, I was lucky enough to be, I guess, born with some measure of talent. I don't know. I don't know how it works. You know, what, what measure is that I developed and, and how much I was born with. But I, I believe it's like that. It's like some people have a musical gift. You know, they can, they can play music that, and some people really have to develop it and, and practice and practice and practice. It's, it's similar to that, I think. Some people are just more tuned in and some people have to sort of learn to tune into it. And some people may not be able to. They may they may be colorblind or, you know, weird blind, you know? Yeah, that's true. You know, I've had people tell me they've tried to tune into it and it just doesn't work for them. And I'm like, well, maybe, maybe it's just not something that's ever going to really work for you, you know? Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, so, the thing is, you know, a lot of times if you hear stories about someone who has all this weird stuff to them, the, the sort of basic thought is, well, they must be making this up. No one has right. this many experiences. Right. But the reality is that's more the norm than people <laughs> realize. So, then it's like, well, actually, I tend to believe the person who had too many experiences over the person who has just the one. But, but then again, just the one also happens. Like, it's not right. a reason, to, I guess what I mean is it's not a reason to dismiss. Right. Yeah, by far, most of the people that come on Strange Familiars have multiple experiences. Yeah. So yeah. Even if they, they email about one particular thing, you know, while in the course of the interview, they'll say, you know, well, let me tell you about this other thing or whatever it mm -hmm. is. And that's why usually my interviews with one person go for a whole show, usually, because <laughs> they, they usually have multiple, multiple experiences. And you, uh, you, you made the comment that, uh, how did you just put it, that nobody's magic? Um, well, uh, yeah, no, I, I like to say nobody has superpowers, or, or we all do. You know, either right. we all do or no one does, you know. Well, and the thing, and this was actually a note I made to bring up at some point, it drives me nuts that, especially in, like, sci-fi shows, when they deal with psychic powers, they're dealt with, like, their superpowers. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not something everyone has, and it's something you can just turn on and off or, or whatever. And it's always like, this is nothing like what, it's, it's just another sense, you know? It's another mm -hmm. perception of reality. And I don't think I've ever seen like a sci-fi show or anything get that right. I think the materialistic sort of view of it turns it into something superhero-ish. Right, yeah, yeah. And that, of course, leads to a lot of misunderstanding as to how this stuff actually works. Because people see that on television and they're like, oh, so you have superpowers? Right, exactly. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, in general, I, I think the stuff is available to all of us. I think it's, it's just easier to access for some people. Right. And how, okay, so when you do your show, how, how do you assess a story? Like, whether or not you think the person is full of it or has a genuine uh, experience that they're talking about. Well, at some point in the early days of the show, someone very wise told me that he would rather believe one person who's lying than disbelieve one person who's telling the truth. Who would say something silly like that? <laughs> Why, that was you. Oh, and, right. Uh, I've, I've, I've adopted that, but for the most part, there was one person that I thought that I interviewed where I was like, yeah, I don't know about this. You know what I mean? I don't know about this person. Mm -hmm. um, 
there's been a few people that the audience has, has said, you know, I don't believe this person, you know, where I thought they were, you know, I didn't catch anything disbelievable about it, you know? Right. But in general, the vast majority of people I really feel have nothing to gain from making up stories about this stuff. There's, they're not getting rich. That's either the idea that they're, they're getting famous or rich by doing this is, is completely silly. They just want to share these stories for the most part. You know, it's, they want to share this experience and possibly hear, you know, other people who have uh, experienced the same thing. Yeah. So I haven't, um, I haven't really run into it too much where I've, where I've even had to go. Yeah. I don't know about this. You know, Mm, there, there's been a couple uh, where I've been on the, on the fence about, you know, and at least one that I know we talked about with the stairway and the and the woods where I'm going. You know, this has been pr- traced back to, uh, was it uh, what was the Reddit? Yeah, yeah, I know what you. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, no sleep, no sleep came up with the staircase in the woods thing, and then it kind of transitioned over. But at the same time, you can't completely dismiss that, you know, this stuff sometimes mimics fiction it does and so it's like okay so it seems like this would have been a fake story based on fiction but what if it's something mimicking the fiction and often in older houses the staircases were built really sturdily yeah true true so it i mean there is a chance that you know a house could collapse and the and the staircase should could still be there it's it's you know it's not likely but there's a chance that uh, you know that people have run into those. Now there is the one guy. Oh, what is his name? Uh, they did the documentary on him. We did a, a whole a whole show on him, where his stuff just seemed like he was just making it up. Um, oh my god, I, I have no idea how to even track his name off the top of my head. Um, yep. And you don't. You weren't there. You probably haven't seen the documentary. Uh, he was later race, uh, arrested for child pornography. Oh, he's a UFO good. guy, right? Yeah, yeah, he's a UFO guy. Yeah, I, I'm not going to be able to name the name, but I know who who you're talking about. Most people should probably know who I'm talking about. But the, yeah. uh, oh, the documentary was terrible. But the thing is, like, his stuff was so obviously fake, and he was obviously trying to, you know, sell it in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, that you're just kind of like, okay, like I can't take this seriously but most of the time that's not the case um the ones who are avidly trying to make money at it you know and that's that's where you have to kind of like be like okay they have a motivation here which is to make money um and that's not the general public generally Mm -hmm. so they're willing to you know i i know people have talked about Richard, uh, is it Richard? No, it's not Richard. Uh, Greer, I can't remember. Stephen Greer. Uh, when they go on his like uh, UFO things, they go out and they watch for for UFOs in the sky. It's entirely possible some of what they're seeing are legit UFOs, but other people have been like, that wasn't a UFO, that was a plane, you know? Right. But he's charging to take people out, so he's going to make sure they see something, or at least <laughs> put that doubt in their mind, you know? Right. So it's not like there aren't frauds, it's just that the average person isn't going to be a fraud. Right. You know, the average person is going, I don't know what this was, but it scared me. Mm-hmm. Um, well, some of the warning signs for me are, are when people are are very, very definite about things. 
Yeah. When, when, when they're willing to tell you, you know, exactly what this was that they saw hundred percent, you know, it, it was a, you know, spaceship from the planet Xenon, you know, or whatever, you know, right. And, right. And they were, you know, piloted by reptilians who are friends with the grave, but whatever, you know, like that's when I start getting, okay, wait, hold on. How do you know all this? You know, <laughs> they told them. Yeah. That's how that works. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. There, it, but the thing is, sometimes people are, you know, if someone gets hypnotized for this stuff, they're going to be a lot more definite about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the hypnotism creates realer than real memories that aren't necessarily real. Right. So, so someone sees a UFO and then goes and gets hypnotized for it, they may ha- be have that certainty because that's that's what it does. Yeah. Um, that's why Did, it's so dangerous. Have you watched the second season of Hellier? Two episodes. Mm, they they get into they this is like not a uh, something I would recommend anyone doing but they at some point and they did this years ago I think they've kind of like said like me, you know we definitely wouldn't do this now but uh, they work it into the show where they basically hypnotize a guy who didn't believe in UFOs or anything to uh, basically induced an alien abduction right. And uh, he kind of came out, you know, complete believer on the other side. We may have talked about that on a Patreon segment. I don't remember. It might have been mm-hmm. one of the Patreon questions. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't seen it. I don't remember who was on the Patreon show with me. But I know we did discuss that and how, you know, because the Patreon question was basically, is it, is it unethical, you know, to do something like that? And, yeah, I would say it is. Yeah. yeah um, think, whether whether or not they knew better at the time, yes, it's right. totally unethical. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, it's really really shit. And then the Greg uh, knew what it, what they were doing. It's not like they they sprung it on him. You know what I mean? He no, signed but up. Did, but did he realize the effect it was going to have on him? That's the thing. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. There's there's a lot of questions, and and you know, I don't know if those questions are answered other places or not. The, the problem is most people don't know that much about hypnosis, and the mythology has been that you can recover memories with hypnosis, and you can't. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But the, the UFO world does not want people to, to know that. You know, this, is, this was the, the bread and butter of the whole abduction experience, is that hypnosis can recover these lost memories. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate, and, you know... Now that we know more, I mean, back in the 80s, we didn't know how dangerous this stuff was. But with the, the satanic panic and then, you know, all this, hip, you know, hypnotic, you know, uh, ab, hip, I want to say hypnotic abduction, hip, you know, putting people in, in the hip. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The regression. Yeah, the hypnotic regression to, to see, oh, what happened to you in that missing time? Mm-hmm. I mean, this stuff has been, I mean, a whole mythology has built up around what is happening to these people that may not have any basis in reality. So we did a whole, well, actually we did two shows long, long ago. I think like the, the first two times I came on not to talk about a book. And, uh, the one time with, with, uh, Mike Clellan, I believe who was like basically not pro hypnosis, but he was, you know, telling about his experiences mm-hmm. with that and so forth. And then, uh, Jeff Ritzman, basically came back and was like, no, 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 you gotta right. be careful with that. Um, ever since then, I've, you know, I kind of bounce around this idea, right? 
it would it be possible? And this, I know, you, you know, the answer might be I don't know, but I'm thinking about like so with with my especially my you know quote unquote abduction experience, which again I've talked about on my podcast and yours and probably ten mm-hmm. others. People can find it out there if they're they're looking for it. Would it be possible using the right questions and the right hypnotist to just draw out what what I could be remembering or what would I have remembered what I've forgotten from my memory is essentially from those without leading questions and so forth. No, your brain will just make it up. Oh, okay. Is that what, what happens? Yes. If you don't remember it consciously, your brain will literally make up the data to fill in the blanks. Oh, well, that's a big problem then. Yes. And so it's not necessarily that people are being led by the hypnotist. It's that, it's that they're making a narrative that wasn't there. Right. The brain does it. Okay. okay. Now, it, you could also be led by the hypnotist. I mean, that's, that's sure. another issue. Right. Um, yeah. And, and I know that has happened in, in many cases. Right. So, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a secondary issue to it. But if you don't consciously remember it, the hypnosis is not going to bring it back. The hypnosis, your brain will just go, oh, well, let's make something up. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So then you're dealing with something that feels, and this is the thing, because hypnosis feels more, more real than an actual memory, you're dealing with something that was not a real memory, but it feels like a real memory. So the, the, the snippets of, of that particular night that I remember with those, whatever they were, standing next to my bed, where they were phantasms or actual things or little doctors or greys, whatever, those snippets that I recall, that's, that's all I can ever basically hope to, to, to recall from that night. Unless, unless your brain wants, you to, wants to give you more, or maybe nothing else happened. Maybe that was it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it may have also happened at another level of consciousness. I mean, how often sure. do people? How often do most people remember their dreams? I mean, I know people who will say, "I don't dream," and of course you do. Of course, yeah. Um, so I mean, other levels of consciousness are very hard for us to access. I mean, how 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 long do you normally hold on to a dream, even if you do remember it, unless you write it down? Exactly. That's a great point. And and to be clear. I don't think there were little men standing next to my bed. I think, I think this was some kind of out of body experience or, or, you know, other level of consciousness. Like you said, there's something else was going on. There weren't physical beings there. I don't think. So, so what happened may not be something you needed on a conscious level, but on an unconscious level. Mm -hmm. So who knows what effect it actually had on you because it's working on your unconscious. Right. Which to some people would be a really scary statement. Well, the whole thing I've, you know, my whole journey with that, like has been a sort of a journey of, of acceptance, I guess, um, you know, little by little where, you know, going from an absolute hatred and disgust of, of even seeing the image of a gray to more of a, like a questioning and a, and a, and a wondering and a, and I'm more accepting, especially with the, and again, this is on a, one of the strange familiars patron shows we did recently. My most recent experience was so different from all the others that it, it really mm-hmm. sort of kind of softened me to the whole, the whole idea. of it. You may have talked about that on this show as well. Yeah. I mean, to, just to be, to not be cryptic. And if, if people haven't heard, it's basically 
I had an experience, the first in many years, over a decade, where uh, these grays showed up, and there were multiple, uh, many of them. They were in the room. They were, but they were dressed in like weird, like feathers, like almost like, almost like kind of tribal or Native American dancing uh, wear, like ritual wear. But all the feathers were like like day glow. It looked like some sort of like uh, 1980s hair metal version of like a like an Indian rain dance or something, you know. With, the, the, but uh, the, they were dancing around and like they were moving really fast, whereas before they would had always been very deliberate and slow in their movements. And they were almost silly, like like they were almost funny. Like I almost like laughed at them. They they were just so odd. And then uh, I so I was dreaming in place. So this was in the room I was sleeping in. This all happening, and then they were just going or I woke up one or the other, however you want to look at it. I, I don't remember waking up. I just remember them not being there. Like they just stopped. Uh, this was in November. All of the moths were gone ostensibly. And, uh, I saw something in the room just in the, from the street light outside the room was dark and, uh, it was a, it was a moth and the moth came down and landed in the, in my hair right next to my right ear and buzzed like flip you know like fluttered its wings so I basically i got this buzzing sound so i got the buzzing sound that's often associated with these things but from a perfectly uh, ostensibly nat- natural uh way you know right right from this moth and uh then the moth flew off and i never found a moth body and never couldn't find it you know look for it the next day and have looked for it since i've never found this moth it was a pretty good sized moth it wasn't huge but it was you know bigger than an inch hmm um, who knows but uh, yeah that was but it really sort of changed my whole perspective on things because it wasn't uh, the tone of the experience was was very different too it was right uh, I, right you know you had said oh it seems like a ritual I think I told you like the day it happened or the day yeah. after yeah and I, I was like oh my goodness yeah it does sound like a ritual uh, you know f- for whatever reason um, but yeah if they're going to give me like those kinds of experiences, I'm all for it. Like, like bring it on. Cause it was, it was weird. Uh, but it, you know, it wasn't, uh, ominous in any way, like in the past. You, you were, you were ready for the next step. Maybe, maybe that's the case. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's sort of the thing with this stuff. Like I had written an article a long time ago about, and I was using law, this TV show lost as an example. You know, some people hate it. Some people love it, but it doesn't matter because it was, it was one of those shows that, that if you watched it from the beginning, you got some sense of what was going on. But if you just suddenly dropped into the middle of season three, you were never going to figure out what was going on. Mm-hmm. So if you look at something like that in the same context as a ritual, you know the reason you take these little steps is because you can't just jump into the middle of it. Right. So you have you have to go through those first steps before the bigger things happen and maybe the less scary things happen because now you understand a little better what you're dealing with. Maybe that's the case. Maybe that's the case. And I just to note this was a, an extremely liminal period in my life. Very very like, right. Very and very wh- stressful and and uh, very strange. And if I remember right, it was just a weird exp- uh, a weird uh, the way it was uh, liminal was also very weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so yeah. you almost have to wonder if it was constructed by whatever this stuff is to put you in a certain frame of mind. Yeah, I don't know. 
the, the, yeah, that whole period was just odd. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it may be that that's what needed to happen to you, but to get you there, they had to put you in a more liminal state. Maybe. Maybe that was the case. And may, maybe that's what's happening on a, on a wider scale with our planet right now. Maybe, you know, the whole coronavirus thing is sort of a, a giant uh, liminality that, that's there to sort of, like, change the way, you know, the sort of the, the, the bad way that humankind is kind of moving. I don't know how, if this means anything or not, but when you said that, I got the biggest chill up my spine when you said, like, like the, the and I don't know if it's just the idea of that or or what, but uh, yeah, I, I wonder. I mean, it's I certainly really it, it's certainly gonna. No matter what, it's going to change things. Oh yes, and it's uh, it's shown our weaknesses. It's shown it shows us our strengths. Um, and as much as it sucks, there is some value to that. There is, and. I, I feel like, so the idea of community, because of the internet, basically, has changed a lot over time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, the show I did on the virus for Strange Familiars, and when I called you and I called you know, a few other podcasters, Dave Scott from Spaced Out Radio and Adam from Conspiracy Normal, and I called Ren. That's kind of like, in a way... You know, and and we all have more than one community, I think, now because of the internet as well. But that's like our community, and our community is spread across the United States and the world, really, Mm -hmm. at this point. So the idea of community, I think, has been changed a great deal by the internet. But that said, I do see a lot of community, a lot of communities coming together because of this. Uh, uh, Locally, people are reaching out and saying, like, look, if you need anything, you let me know, you know. I'm here to help, but also these internet communities are reaching out in the same kind of way and mm-hmm. they're really responding to this. And maybe that's exactly what we need. Yeah. Yeah. And plus you have, I know they, they've said like in certain areas, like nature is already reclaiming some stuff. Yeah. Those, those uh, photos they've showed of just production stopping in China and this, the smog that's yeah. not there because of that. It's amazing. So maybe that will help wake people up to just what we're doing to the planet on top of that. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is yeah. the planet's way of saying, hey, guys. Yeah, wake up. Like, <laughs> maybe we, we can not do this. Yeah, we're gonna, I'm going to tap you on the shoulder with this, you know, this virus, which is bad, but it, mm-hmm. could, be, it could be a lot worse. Yes, it's, it's like a warning shot across our bow. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean... We don't, we don't know what reality is. You know, we have no idea if we're just part, you know, as, what did somebody say? What if, what if uh, we're the disease and the coronavirus is the antibody? <laughs> you know, we, we don't understand. You know, we, we have all our theories. We have, our, obviously, our materialism about reality. But when it comes right down to it, we don't know what we are. We don't know what reality is. We know we don't see what's there. You know, uh, it's all interpreted through our brains and our brains all interpret it differently. Yeah. We have no way of knowing if there's anything else um, because we don't know what we can trust and what we can't. Mm-hmm. 
So it's intentionally left us in this sort of mystery. And, you know, like, like how, much of this, how, how much of the things that happen are happening because they need to happen for us to take the next step? You know? Like I find in life that tends to be the case with me. Like bad things happen, but then they're followed by progress. Right. And I think that's the case with most people unless they, they tend to waste what happened to them, you know, like and dwell on it and don't, don't get over it. And, uh, you know, speaking of that, that specific liminal stage, uh, you know, I was not happy with what was going on. I really don't want to get into it because it was personal, but, but I, you know, you knew what was going on with me. Right. And that was the advice that you were giving me at the time, which I didn't want to hear. <laughs> you were saying, like, maybe you need this to happen at the time. And I was like, in no way did I want to hear it because it wasn't comfortable. It wasn't fun, right. you know. Um, you know, uh, getting a little bit out of that, you know, may- maybe. Maybe. So, I mean, we can only hope that on the other side of what's going on now, we'll be better off in the long run. I hope so. You know, we, we now know that a lot of people out there you can count on. You know, the <laughs> human race isn't all bad. Sure, there are the people hoarding toilet paper. But, um, you know, they're, they're the minority. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a weird time. Yeah, for, for every, you know, guy that buys however many 17,000 bottles of, of hand sanitizer to try to jack up the price, Ugh. there's a, a local distillery here has converted from making drinking alcohol to making hand sanitizer. Right, and, exactly. And it, they're starting to give it away to to nonprofits and people who need it, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, there there is good in the world. There is. We just need a, a better balance between the good and bad. Mm-hmm. And really, who's sustaining us right now? It's not the government. It's the the people working at the grocery stores. It's the you know, it's it's the people working in situations where that are literally risking their health, and they're not even doing it for a good wage. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, this, this is the type of stuff that maybe it will wake people up to that on the other side. Mm-hmm. We can only hope. Yeah, um, I hope so. And I hope this, this idea of community and of helping each other, you know, continues beyond this. And, and I think that's the problem. Sometimes we get so comfortable in our lives that we, don't, we just stop caring about other people. We, we only focus on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it, when something like this comes along, when 9-11 comes along, people stop and they go, oh, crap, you know, we, we need each other. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a little discomfort sometimes to shake you from it. Uh, change doesn't happen generally when people are comfortable. That, yeah, exactly. That is a, the perfect way of saying it. Comfort does not promote change. No, no. It's just it's too easy to, to sit back and, and just live, you know. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what the outcome of this is. I'm, I'm hoping it's not, uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping the doomsayers are way off. Me am too. I, am and I there's, gu- a, lo- there's a lot of that going in there. In, in our community, you know, the paranormal community tends to have a lot of crossover with the conspiracy community. Yeah. And there's a lot, a lot, a lot of, you know, just dark, dark stuff being said. And, and I just... You know, I can't let myself go there mentally because, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I, I want to n- not think that way in general. And, and I think uh, it's better to be 
kind of like when we were talking about the stories and believing someone who's lying over, you know, not believing someone who's telling the truth. It's better to be safe with this stuff than, uh, you know, even if it turns out we look back and go, well, we overreacted. Good. It's better right. that we overreact than underreact. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because you like you don't want to be the, the one person who transmits it to, you know, somebody's grandmother or something. Right. You know? Exactly. It's like it's not... It's not a world ender. Let's hope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. seem like it's a world ender. It's uh it's a wake up call. Yeah, very much so. And I think there'll be a lot of adjustment to go on once this starts to you know, <clears throat> uh pass uh in a lot of different ways. Like it's going to make everyone look at this world a little bit differently. Mhm. We still don't know what it is as a world and as in a reality. I mean, maybe it's just a we're in just someone's game system. Uh, they're, they're Xbox One somewhere, and uh, <laughs> they're nudging around a virus right now, and, you know, there are games like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, there, there was something I wanted to talk about, and uh, I, don't, I don't know if you're familiar with some of this stuff. Um, one of the, the things in Fortiana that has always mystified me are Skyfalls. So like when the frogs fall out of the sky or whatever. Yeah, frogs, yeah. fish, blood. Some of them there are possible explanations for. I know like in India it was raining blood at one point, but they think it actually came from space. So it was space blood. But that's because it had nothing that was normally found inside blood in it. Mm. Um, I don't remember the exact details because it was a few years ago. But some of them, you know, a lot of people, the, the materialistic explanation is, well, a whirlwind picked it up out of a pond and right. then dropped it. And it's like, that doesn't make any sense. First of all, there were no whirlwinds. Second of all, why is it only dropping one type of frog? Because you would think if it picked up a pond, it would then let go of the pond when it died out and everything would come down. Did you happen to catch the, the Watchmen series on HBO? Not yet. Okay. There's a, the, basically one of these guys makes a device where it, it rains squids. Huh. Uh, and uh, basically to make people think that the, they're, they're coming from another dimension, essentially. But, hmm. but, That's uh, interesting. It, yeah, the, the reason for that is, is all embedded in the show and the, the original Watchmen comic and so forth. But um, no, it's, it's very interesting. It... it uh, and it comes out that, uh, you know, obviously he's he's making this happen. It's not. Yeah, you know. we could we could have someone just messing with us, someone from from another dimension. Yeah. Hey, let's, well, dump we some, let's, say, let's dump some frogs here. I mean, I tend to try not to like throw the trickster term around, right? Because mm-hmm. it, it's something that people use, and I think. The problem with it is it brings to mind like like people think it's like one thing then. Like there's there's one trickster guy right. sitting there like, you know, messing with people or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's undoubtedly there is an element of tricksterism to all of this. Yes. Like something is playing with us or with the human experience in some way. And the the problem with me is when it gets really dark, 
that is like wow because whatever this trickster thing it has no problem with getting dark i mean look at the you know whatever happened in point pleasant you know yeah yeah it it has no problem getting really dark at times but other times it's very playful yeah and you you, it seems like you never know what you're going to get from it that's true that's true and it could be you know I, i played around with this idea at one point i know we did a show on it that this could be something trying to communicate to us so far outside of our reality, not like from a parallel dimension, but something from a completely different sort of existence. And when it pecks into our world, it doesn't know how to talk to us, you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it just does things. And then we react to it and it goes, oh, what if I do this? You know, and, and it, it may not even know how it's coming out to us because, right. a, again, what we're seeing of our world is not what's actually there. It's our brain siphoning just a little bit of that information and tur- turning it into something we can work with. So if you're dealing with something that's so far outside of our reality that it can't even figure out how we're seeing what we're seeing, mm-hmm. you know, it's going, okay, well, let's, let's manipulate this here. And we go, oh, monster, you know? Right, yeah. And it, and it goes, well, it saw it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Let's make another one. You know? Right. Yeah. But it may not understand, you know, our behavior to it. It may not be a situation where it's like, you know, because people will say things like, well, you know, this stuff could be like us to ants. You know, like ants have no concept of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. But it may be even way beyond that type of a separation. So what we're dealing with is is trying to communicate, but it really has no concept of how to do so. So it's just throwing everything at us. Yeah. Well, and that's, I think that approach allows you, and and I've observed you in situations where you're fairly fearless with this stuff. I'm I'm very good at repressing the fear when stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Like I'll feel it. I'll feel that that cold chill go up my spine. And I'll be like, nope, not moving. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's not so much that I'm fearless; it's that I can control it. Okay. Yeah. But Which, if you approach it with those kinds of thoughts, like if it's something, like you said, just it's trying to, you know, somehow interact with us and and not even necessarily knowing what it's doing that's way more benevolent i think than me thinking okay i broke the rules so it threw a rabid raccoon at me you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well i think some of it we're creating ourselves too i think a lot of a lot of this stuff does come down to we're we're interacting with our higher selves. Our higher selves are creating the reality around us. And so since you were thinking you broke the rules and maybe you did, maybe you were going a certain way and then you, you veered from the path and your higher self went, well, how do I get them back on the right path? Mm -hmm. I I think I said this in the interview with the snake brothers, like maybe we are in a simulation and we're in a game, but the game is that we here on the planet, our normal consciousness are the avatars in the game and our higher self is outside that game playing, but it can't directly influence the game. Like it can only give us nudges, you know, it can affect the reality around us. It can create synchronicities and hope you see them and follow. Um, but it can't actually just go in and control you. 
Hmm. Because that's sort of what it feels like. Right. You follow yeah. synchronicities and things work out and you're going, okay, you took me here. And then when you look back on it later, especially if you keep notes like I do and you go, I see why I needed to be there. You know, <laughs> like now it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. And you can look at it as an external, something external is trying to, to put you in certain places for certain reasons or give you certain experiences, or you could deal with it as your higher self, another level of your consciousness that wants you to experience certain things so it can have that experience. I'm trying to wrap my head around that. <laughs> no, I mean, I understand it, but I'm trying to incorporate it. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, all of this stuff I deal with as if it is an external thing, but I don't necessarily believe that's the case. You know, so if I interact with something or something weird happens, I treat it external because I know it's not from this consciousness. Mm -hmm. And uh, that higher self might as well be another consciousness for all that we can control it. Right. And who, who knows how many levels of consciousness we actually have. Right. You know, there's always that theory that we're all the same consciousness broken into splinters. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's not totally off like what Jane Roberts Seth suggested, that we're, you know, his view of reality was that we, uh, that personality does survive, but we all started at the same place and we've splintered off. And each personality splinters off other personalities, which is also an interesting concept. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So, you know, I often tout Allison as, as Strange Familiar's resident skeptic, but she's very Jungian. Like, so mm -hmm. she's, uh, well, she doesn't necessarily believe that uh, I was interacting with something outside of myself. And I'll take my, what we were calling my chessboard as an example. She knows something was going on there. And at some point she said to me, you know, you're, you're playing chess with yourself. Hmm. At, at which point I say, okay, like I'm perfectly okay with that because it doesn't matter to me whether this is a way to access that higher self or, you know, whether I'm, I'm playing chess with that higher self or with another entity. It's still amazing either way, you know? Right, right. I and, just, uh, I just stay more agnostic on it. I, I, I leave the possibility that and maybe it was something else, but I'm absolutely fine with it being me too. You know what I mean? With it, if, if it was just me and I don't I think it change. I don't think it changes things either way. Really? Because I, I think either way you're getting some, the same thing out of it. Mm -hmm. That's true. I mean, people like Crowley said, you know, as, as he called it, the Holy guardian angel as your higher self and full communication with that was the, the greatest thing you could ever do in this life. So, he might be right. Maybe. Yeah. I don't think that full communication is possible, but it, it might be leading us through certain experiences for certain reasons. And some of those experiences are weird and may include intelligences that we don't recognize. So, this kind of comes back to your multiple experiences thing. So, if, if we're dealing with that, and if that's the case... And it sees you, you being anyone, you, me, whoever, reacting in a certain way, or say in a big way, 
to these weird experiences. And we often talk about some people just write it off and they don't want to think about it. So they don't, you know, they either don't react or they don't react the same way. But, you know, somebody like me is documenting these things and writing about them and talking about them on a podcast. Is that the reason then for more experiences? Because I was going, aha, you know, I'm getting something. Yeah, it very well could be. Yeah. And when you pay attention to this stuff, it happens more. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, I've had other people who seem to be uh, completely blind to this. You know, like they, they, they'll, even like gut feelings, they'll be like, well, I followed my gut and it was completely wrong and I should just use my brain instead. And it's like, okay, well, maybe you're just bad at this part of it, you know? It doesn't mean everyone is. Uh, and I think of someone like, like Dawkins or someone of these, these almost militant atheist type people who, who do that type of stuff where they dismiss it out of hand because mm-hmm. they, they, they can't point to a single experience where anything like that was suggestive. And it might just be a form of blindness um, or maybe that's what they need to experience this, in this life, you know? Didn't they find when they were doing those ESP tests on people... And I'm thinking, that, you know, of the cards with the wavy line and the plus sign and, and all that. Didn't they find that not only were there people who could guess the cards, you know, way more than, than other people, but didn't they find that there were people who were wrong a, an incredible, yes. a huge proportion of the time? You yep. Know? Yeah. So in, in a way, it's this kind of almost negative ESP in a sense. It's, yeah. it's, it's still something special. It's just not... You know, they're, they're just not able to pull the symbols out. They're, they're, they're the, the, uh, the other side of the mirror. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's so much here that we literally just don't understand. And uh, someone had asked the question, I, I feel like we should do a, a fuller show on this, but someone had asked the question of, what's the point of studying this stuff if we're never going to understand it? Mm. And A, I don't know that we're never going to understand it. Uh, that's the first thing. Uh, I think we understand bits and pieces as we go along, but I think it also is part of our spiritual evolution and part of our physical evolution. Um, you know, this stuff inspires us in different ways and pushes us forward. Yeah. Yeah, I've talked about that a lot, how, you know, I don't think, I mean, and just taking the the Bigfoot phenomenon as an example, I don't, I don't think I get to see a solution to that in my lifetime. Um you know, a real answer one way or another. And I'm fine with that now. Uh, you know, I, I went through a little period of depression when, it, when I realized that um, until I just, you know, had to talk to myself, like, are you still interested in it? Yeah. Do you still like it? Yeah. Do you, you know, okay. Then, then move along, you know, except that, that no answers are forthcoming. But I do believe it's, it's something to do with the human experience. It's something to do. I mean, it's always been there with us. All of this stuff has. It has always yeah. been there with us, and it probably always will in one form or another. And it, it's something to do with the human experience. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. therefore, it's valuable, I think. Yes, absolutely. And we may understand it better as time goes on. I mean, we understand the mechanisms, at least, a little better as time goes on. Um, you know, the more, the more ways we have to devise different tests of psi, for instance we get a better understanding of what works and what doesn't like Robert Schock's revelation that, you know, people who are psychic seem to do better when there's high solar activity. Mm-hmm. That seems like a, like, you know, a lot of people would say, well, big deal, but that's a big deal. That means we're 
distinctly interacting with our son. Right. You know, and our environment around us. And when you look at weird places on the planet, like Skinwalker Ranch being one of the more famous ones now, um, there's something about the environment, you know, that, in, that interacts with us as well in ways that we just don't understand yet, but they're not completely beyond our understanding. We just have to figure out the mechanism. And if we do that, maybe we can harness that a little bit. Yeah. You know, so if you're going to go to Skinwalker Ranch, do it when there's high solar activity. <laughs> and it'll be interesting to check, you know, like if, if someone wanted to go through and check all these really high strangeness experiences and see what the solar activity was like around that time period, you know? That would be amazing. Yeah. Because I guarantee you're going to see at least some matches, but whether or not they, they mean anything would be the other question. Do you right. have enough, enough matches to say this is a thing? Mm-hmm. Because I think you're dealing with a, a multitude of factors that make this stuff a reality. Oh, I'm sure. And again, that comes back to what is reality? <laughs> the, uh, I've mentioned this before, the book The Invisible Gorilla is absolutely must read for people who are interested in that question because it, it shows us how little of what's around us uh, we access. Um, it, 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 it goes through these different illusions of what we think we access versus what we actually do. And they're, they're talking about memory in there too. Um, no, he said hypnosis, you know, makes a stronger memory than normal. The other thing that does it is traumatic events. So they had, I don't remember the exact details, but you can read the book and find out. Um, they had asked people what they were doing on when nine 11 happened. And I guess whatever they had, they had uh, maybe video of these people. They were like in a college or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so they, they, they could go back and see what they actually did. And I think the initial idea was they asked them shortly after it happened, and their memory was decent of what actually happened. But then they asked them 10 years later, and their memories were all a bit off from one mm -hmm. another and all a bit off from what actually happened. But the memory to them was so strong that they had trouble acknowledging that this could be an incorrect memory. Oh, yeah. Like, like the trauma strengthens the memory, but not the accuracy of the memory. They also go on to show that memory is part emotion. Uh, it's part emotion, part how you, how you interpret the experience. It's not, it's not like you're recording data when you remember something. So it's, it's partially what happened and partially your interpretation of what happened. And as, plus the emotional component and all that gets wrapped up into your memory, which then each time it's accessed, it recreates it and changes it a little bit. Mm. So memory is actually fairly unreliable. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very much so. And they also showed that people who they could show someone that their memory was wrong, a lot of times people would prefer to just stick with their memory than, than change that. Mm -hmm. You know, they'd say, no, 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 here's what really happened. They'd be like, no, I think my memory was right. So when we're building off of that and then we're adding strange phenomena into it. <laughs> right. Oh, which, yeah. which may be interacting with us in a very personal and subjective way. Who knows what we're really getting? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And my memories, especially of the experiences with graves, because of all that, 
I now, you know, question a lot and, and I wonder if I've inserted certain things mm-hmm. because I've never read a ton on the phenomenon because I, I, I just really, I just never really went there. You know, I've, I've yet to read communion. I've yet, yet to read, you know, anything really more than an article or two here or there on the phenomenon. But I have been influenced by, you know, we've talked about it a lot. I've, I've heard a number of podcasts and, and I wonder how much of that has crept in over time. Yeah, and it probably has. Mm-hmm. That's why that's why I'm really glad I've written so much stuff down mm-hmm. because it does give me that that ability to look back and test where my memory was right and wrong and for the most part and I think probably because I wrote it down that's another thing they found is that writing this stuff down actually helps strengthen the actual memory um because I wrote it all down and can double check it there there are only little things here and there like I'll be like oh this happened and then later that day this happened but it actually happened two consecutive days mm-hmm. and it's like oh okay well I mean it's a minor difference but it's still different like there was a uh, there was once the the one experience I had when I was extremely electrical and I've it's only happened to me once um, I mean I normally affect electronics and stuff but there was one day where I was getting enormous shocks off of everything, like visible blue, you know, electrical shocks. And I had gone to see a friend of mine at a radio station, and I said to him, you know, he, he was one of these people who always had to shake your hand. And I said, don't, don't touch me this time. I'm like, you'll, you'll, it'll, you'll get a huge shock, just don't. And he kind of looked at me like, eh, all right, whatever. And as he walked past me at some point, he brushed against me, and it was a sound like a gunshot and he flew across the room and i turned around and he's like what the hell was that and i'm like that's why i said i didn't want to shake your hand you know but it was just a small space and he just happened to come close enough for it to discharge wow and uh like we walked into the hallway and i think the part i had initially forgotten is we walked into the hallway and all the lights went out in the hallway and i was like i don't know if that was me you know (laughs) Now, in my memory, I then went to my other friend's radio station, and this is where I potentially knocked the block, the entire the power on on the entire block. Okay, I seem to remember this story. Yeah, yeah. so I was, you know, we were, I get there, we're talking, and he, I, I want to say Metallica's "Binge and Purge" CD had come out. He's like, "Oh, look, Metallica "Binge and Purge," and I, I anyone who knows me knows I, I really can't stand Metallica. And I was like, oh, good. Too bad they suck or something. And I took it from him. And as I took it from him, I grabbed the rack that all the CD players were hooked up to, the metal rack. And I felt this, like, buzz in my hand. And all the power went out. (laughs) And I jokingly said, okay, they're not that bad. You can have the CD back, you know. (laughs) And, like, we, we sat there for a while waiting for the power to come back on. It never came back on. But we did have a weird experience with a phone ringing somewhere in one of the offices. And, uh... We're just sitting there, and he's going, you hear a phone? And this is, this is pre-cell phones and stuff. It's like, yeah. And so we're digging around in the dark, and he finally finds this phone buried under someone's desk, ringing. <laughs> and he picks it up, and there's just weird static on the line. Oh, weird. And then he hangs it up. He's like, I think we should just go. I think, I think it's time to go now. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I said to him, I'm like, hey, you know, because he was also the news guy there. And I said, tomorrow... See if you can find out what knocked the power out. And he's like, all right. And so I talked to him a couple days later, and he said, well, they don't know. They said there was a huge power surge from our end of the block, and it knocked out one of the, the whatever they are, um, 
all the way down at the end of the block. Huh. And I was like, oh, huh. I mean, there's no way I can, I can say definitively that was me, but with the amount of electricity I was putting out, it might have been me. And nothing like that has ever happened before. But in my memory, I did that on the same night. It turns out I did that in like two consecutive nights. So that, that electrical thing that was going through me at that time lasted for a couple of days, not a few hours as I thought. Wow. But after, after the radio station, it was done. It's like it discharged into that stuff, and I was fine after that, and I went back to just normal affecting electronics. Can you wear a watch? No. Now, I had a watch at one point, and a friend of mine was thoroughly amused because the watch would just show up random things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she'd be like, what's it say now? I'm like, oh, there, you know. Yeah. It would work for a few minutes, and then it would just go crazy. Yeah. Uh, I could probably, you know, I have a better control of that stuff now, so I could probably wear a watch now, but I'm not sure. Nor do I care about wearing a watch. Right, yeah, everybody's got a watch in their phone, you know. Exactly. Um, the, what's the other thing? I, I will occasionally get shocks from computer cases that are not plugged in and not, I don't mean from the motherboard, like I'll touch one corner and then another corner to like pull something out and I will get an electrical shock from the case. And that shouldn't happen because the case doesn't have any electric running to it. Right. And it's not a bad shock, but it's an, it feels like something's like pinching me. And I'll be like, ow, ow. I'm like, oh, I'm touching the case in two places with one arm. Okay. <laughs> I did electrical work. Telephone as well, but uh, we had electrician's license, so we would end up doing electric work too. I hate getting shocks. <laughs> it's just one of my least favorite feelings. Uh, these type of shocks don't tend to bother me. They're just uh, I don't want to short anything out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, when it's more staticky, then then it really ramps up, like in the winter and stuff like that, when the air's dry. Um, when everyone's getting little shocks, I'm getting really big shocks where I can see it jump from my fingers, and I'm going, "Okay, stop!" You know, right. I'll grab something metal. I'll, it'll be like, crack, 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 crack. And I'll be like, okay, now I can touch the laptop. Crack, 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 crack. And it's like, damn it. <laughs> My TV goes black every time I walk past it. <laughs> like it just loses the signal for a second and then comes back on. And I'm like, well, that shouldn't happen. Wow. Um, there was another weird experience that I remembered. I, I don't remember if this is in uh, the notes I took or not. But I'm pretty sure it happened around the time my, my maternal grandmother died. And I realized I don't think I've ever talked about this. So I was in the shower, and all of a sudden my hands started, they ended up looking almost like the, the, the thing from the Fantastic Four. Like they started swelling up and getting hard and cracked, and they started hurting like hell. And I'm like, what is happening to my hands? And it was just the top of my hands. And I was like mildly freaking out because it really hurt. And they were getting huge. And I, and I got out of the shower and I gently dried them off. And like 20 minutes later, they were back to normal. Weird. And I have no idea what would cause. Luckily, that's never happened again. Wow. But you would so think you... Huh? Was the skin like cracking open like like when things your skin gets real dry kind of yeah like that? yeah exactly but afterwards there was nothing huh 
And so I have, you know, and you would think if it was something in the water, it would have affected more than just the tops of my hands. Yeah, yeah. So I don't, I, the only connection I made at the time, I remember, was that I, I think it was right around the time my maternal grandmother died. Had you been exposed to cosmic rays? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> For a non-comic book nerd, <coughs> doctor, that's how the Fantastic Four got their powers. Ah, okay. <laughs> but yeah, it, that was it was one of those really weird experiences that I have nothing to really connect it to, but like I've never heard of anyone else having that happen. I I can't think of any skin condition that would suddenly pop up when you're, you know, just washing your hand and then go away a few minutes later never to return. Yeah. If I had a camera, I would have taken pictures, but again, pre-cell phones, and I didn't have a camera. Right. Now, if it happened, the first thing I'd be doing is taking pictures, and be like, what the hell is this? You know? Yeah. <laughs> Look what my hand did, and it's back to normal. Okay. <laughs> and now I've stumped you. I Well, yeah, that is... Uh... <laughs> So I, I think that that might be one of the personal experiences I've never talked about, just because it doesn't always occur to me. And it, sometime recently, it popped up in my head, and I went, "Oh yeah, that was really weird." Yeah, yeah. I mean, is that a is that a quote unquote weird experience? Is that a medical thing? You know right. what I mean? Like, yeah. And I think the next time I had I had a doctor's appointment, I asked about it, and the doctor was just like, "That's not a thing." And I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> I've had a lot of conversations like that with doctors because I'm always like, so would this happen and this and that? And they're like, that's, that's not a thing that happens. It's like, okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Just check in, you know? I mean, especially when the Kundalini stuff happens, it's like, okay, let me just double check that there's no physical explanation. No. Okay. Great. <laughs> right. Now, now, would you relate the, the, Electrical discharges to Kundalini stuff? Oh, oh, definitely. Yeah. Okay. I, I would. I would think so, but. Uh, and when when I when I reread through all my notes and stuff, I'm going to see if anything like liminal was happening at that period. Because the first time I went through them, I wasn't looking for that type of stuff. So I'm going to reread all of that, and then. I'm pretty much going to write, I think, write that book while I'm rereading it. Before, I was reading everything, and I was just taking notes. But I think this time, I'm just going to write it as I read it. And I'll look for the events around it that are more liminal, potentially. Mm-hmm. And see how many of those line up. I know some of them do right off the bat, because I looked them up and went, oh, huh. <laughs> <laughs> But so much of this stuff, like, you don't even know what to make of it. It's like just little bits of weirdness. Pulling into my driveway um, and seeing a what was literally a tum- tumbleweed of sparks on the right side of the driveway suddenly, you know, appear as if someone like lit off a little, uh, uh, what are they called? Um, people have on the 4th of July sparkler. Mm-hmm. Like someone lit off a sparkler and then there were a bunch of more sparklers and then they turned into a tumbleweed of sparklers, rolled across my driveway to the other side, stopped and went out. Hmm. What the hell is that? You know, like there was nothing else to that. And I just stopped, watched it, and went, all right then. There was a period when I was in college when I kept seeing 
in different places what I would describe as as a giant, like so, like like a like a human, mm-hmm. but about about eight nine feet tall. Oh wow! And I saw him at the bus stop one time, waiting for a bus, and I saw him uh, walking down the street in a different town. Some one time, and I, I I saw him like three or four times to the point where I was like, "Am I like?" going nutty here you know what i mean like <laughs> right and uh yeah so that it just reminded me when you said you you kind of saw that and you're just like what, what do i do with that it was the same kind of thing where i'm like what do i do with like what does this mean you know <laughs> like uh, assuming there's not an eight nine foot guy walking down the street yeah which is unlikely mm-hmm. hmm yeah that's that well that's even more like uh, visceral though than what I experienced. Mine was just lights. Yeah, yeah. I it, I hadn't thought about that in years until you just said that. For some reason, I thought, oh yeah, I used to like because I saw it while I was driving. It must have been when you said you you pulled into your driveway. Mm. It must have been that that triggered the memory because each time I saw him, I was driving to the point where I'm like, should I be driving? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone else ever see him? No, no. Mm. Um, I think one time I was with my girlfriend at the time. And I pointed it out to her, and by the time, you know, I was like, you know, I think I said look or something like that. And by the time she was able to look up or whatever, we were well beyond, you know, you know, well past it. And and I'm like, turn around and look, you know, and you know, she never saw whatever it was. It was it was a shaved Bigfoot. (laughs) It could have been a skinny shaved Bigfoot. (laughs) And and this happened, I want to say, for over the course of a week, maybe, you know, and then gone, never again. You know, huh? That that is very strange. Week, maybe two weeks. You know, but like like the uh, the the yell. You know, I mean, like hearing things like a flute or or yell when I'm actually awake and not necessarily in a hypnotic gogic state. You know, we had, as I said, the the similarities. We pulled into the driveway. It was after an overkill show, and it was me and my friend Dave and. We're sitting in the car talking, the car's off, and we just hear something go, ah, and then it just cuts, like no decay, no nothing. Mm. And, we're, and we both went dead quiet when it happened, but it sounded distant, but yet it sounded like it was in the car with us, and all the windows are rolled up, and so he's like looking around like, what the hell was that? And I'm like, I have sounded like a guy screaming, you know, <laughs> like I just kind of take this stuff so matter-of-factly, and I had gotten out of the car and started to walk toward the, the house and under this big black oak tree that there was n- nothing in the tree, on the ground, these kaleidoscopic lights show up. And they just kind of move in and out like a kaleidoscope, primary colors, and then they disappear. And I just kind of observed and went, oh, lights. And then he hmm. realized how far away I was and panicked and came running over to me because he didn't want to be left alone outside. <laughs> But, I mean, again, there was nothing, like, significant to any of that other than the fact that it was just weird. Right. Now, I feel like you told me another story that happened after an overkill show. Mm. The rabbit thing didn't happen after an overkill show. No, no, no. Might have been the guy who was tailgating us. Was that it? I don't know. I I just, I feel like... I've heard more than one story that happened after an overkill show. I saw overkill a lot of times. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I only, well, I never saw them. I, I think I had a couple of albums back in the day. Uh, they're, they're one of my favorite thrash bands, um, and they're still going today, and they're still good. But anyway, uh, the the other story was not paranormal. It might have been the one about uh, we had we were coming back from an overkill show and got behind this guy who was doing like forty in a fifty five. And as soon as I got a chance, I passed him. And he then floored it and roared by us and then slowed down to 40 again. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to play this game. And so I took a side road uh, that was more scenic, but a little bit longer, just so I didn't have to deal with that. And eventually we came back onto that, that highway and we sped up again and we caught up to him because he was only doing 40. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, you son of a... I'm like, I'm not going to try to pass him because I, I think I tried to pass him again and he sped up so I couldn't pass him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right. So the car I had had very few lights on it and I could turn them all off. Like I could make the car go completely dark. And so I got right on top of him as I was coming up to a turn. It was also a little sports car. It wasn't like an expensive sports car. It was an older car, but it could turn on a dime. And so just as I was coming up to the road, we had a turn on. I turned on every light I could. You know, I turned on the brights and then pulled it back so both lights were coming up. And I got right on top of them, and then I killed all the lights and turned. <laughs> and he slammed on the brakes and went skidding down the road. And I'm like, okay, I feel good about that. <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, it's yeah, not I like he got, I, he didn't get into an accident or anything, but I'm sure in his world, he was like, oh, this guy's, this guy's, oh my God, he's gone. You know? I, I think that was the story because I believe whether we were recording or not, I believe that I, I told the story about, uh, I was the, may or may not have been uh, speeding and, and chased by an a, uh, officer of the law and uh, got a little bit ahead of him and just cut my lights and turned off of the side road. Yeah, yeah. Um, that may or may not have ever happened. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I was speeding one day. Uh, car I had was this big Buick, and the thing just had two tons of power to it. And uh, I got behind. So it, I was behind the same road, uh, Route 89, running along Cayuga Lake. It's it's a very windy road, so it's hard to pass people on, and it's only one you know one lane for each side. So it's not it's not easy to get around someone if they're going really slow. And you get people who will do 40 when it's curvy where you can't pass. And then you hit the spot where you can pass and they speed up to like 50, 60 miles an hour. And so you're like, just, I just want to get by you so you can do the slow around the curves. And, you know, and I uh, passed this guy on this downhill. There's a steep downhill part of that road. And as soon as we got to it, I just floored it and went around him. And I said, well, I'm just going to let the car coast. And I was doing like 80 and around the corner comes two state cops. And I went, oh. And I'm like, I'm just going to. I see their lights go on. I'm like, I'm just going to pull over. There's, there's no point. Because <laughs> I'm going way too fast. And they're gonna, there's nowhere I can go to get away. So I'm just, I'm just going to pull over. So I get up a little bit and I pull over. Well, they get behind this guy who's now doing 40 again. They have their lights on and he won't move over. So a few moments later, he passes me, and then both cops pass me, <laughs> and I'm like, hi, did you not see me, or are you now annoyed with this guy 
who's doing 40 in front of you. <laughs> I don't know what ever happened because at that point I said, now I'm going to take another road and get out of here. Right, right. So I was speeding, but I wouldn't have been speeding a few seconds later because the road hits the bottom and then goes uphill. So it would have <laughs> slowed down the car, and that's what I was waiting for. Just it was bad timing. There was something else that happened around that area, um, uh, which was a lot of weird stuff has happened on that road, Route 89. Uh, it's where I saw the giant UFO. Um, it was okay. where, where we got the weird sabotage commercial, which I'm sure I've talked about at some point, but we were driving along, and it's down you know, deep because it's by the lake, so you don't get a lot of radio reception uh, outside of like maybe Ithaca. And I think we had tuned to a Rochester station, and just as... We're driving along, and suddenly a commercial kicks in. Very beginning of the commercial. It's a commercial for Sabotage playing in Rochester. Commercial and station goes out. And we were all big Sabotage fans, and we're just like, what just happened? Hmm. And then we ended up not being able to go to the show. It seemed like that should have been the given that we had to go to that show, but we uh, we couldn't. <laughs> But it was just, it was so weird that it came in just for a moment, you know, and literally for the beginning to the end of the commercial and nothing else. But one of the other things, we were talking about Skyfalls, there was some point where I had this goo just land all over my windshield while I was driving. Uh, and it did it for a few moments and then stopped. And when I tried to, you know, hit the windshield wipers, it was just smearing it like it was thick. It didn't want to come off the windshield. Oh, weird. And I, I, you know, I'm sure people would say, well, maybe it was from a plane or something. I, I, I don't know. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I have no idea if it was something natural or not natural, but it's the only time I've ever had that experience. Hmm. It was just, it was literally just goo. It was like clear and it landed on my windshield and I couldn't get it off for a few moments. Ectoplasm. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and on the more mundane levels, we had gone to... Uh, I was supposed to go down and shoot, shoot a band's live show down in Binghamton and the car was making a weird noise and I stopped and I checked and I realized my um, the belt for the uh, alternator was like just about shot or maybe the lights were flickering or something. I don't know. And I'm going, oh, yeah, we're not going to Binghamton. And so I turned around and I'm driving down the road and all of a sudden a pheasant flies out in front of the car. Hits the front windshield, covers the entire windshield with pheasant poop. Oh. And I'm like, oh, great. And so I'm like hitting, and there's traffic everywhere, and I'm hitting the, the windshield wipers, and they're going full speed. And as soon as I can see, I see a deer, like a deer butt, like five feet in front of me. I'm like, deer! And I'm zipping around the other way, and I'm like, what the hell? Is the universe trying to kill us? Then <laughs> we made it back home, and everything was fine. But that was just one of those one two punches, like, you know. Here, we're going to obscure your view, and now deer. <laughs> was that before or after the rabbit massacre? Oh, that was way after. I, I, uh, I, don't, think, I, don't, I don't think I could drive when the rabbit massacre. That, I, don't, I don't think I had a license yet. It was the rabbit sending the pheasant and the deer to get back at you. Oh, man. The deer have <laughs> definitely gotten back at me over the years. Oh, yeah, me too. And, and, and I wasn't driving when the rabbit thing happened. I don't know how I would have reacted had I been driving, because, I mean, what are you going to do? Right. But uh, yeah, I've had I've had deer headbutt my car. I've totaled numerous car on deer. 
Um, I've told the story where I asked the universe for $2,000 and a deer ran out in front of my car and knocked me into a ravine. And uh-huh. the, uh, the insurance company said, well, we're just going to total it. And I said, no, no, the car's fine. It just, you know, it bent the tie rod and like the fender and stuff. And they said, oh, no, no, you can fix it. But we're still going to give you $2,000, you know. You just can't uh, put comprehensive coverage on it again. You just got to get it inspected, and you're good. And I went, so did the universe just give me $2,000? <laughs> yes. And Along I spent, I th- bank. Yeah, exactly. And I think I spent 30 bucks on, on fixing the car or something like that. It wasn't a lot. So I've had, I had a deer that must have been running uh, coming back from the radio, my, my music show, you know, 6.30 in the morning or whatever. must have just been running across the fields. And suddenly as I'm driving there, it's just this dunk. And I have deer face on the passenger side of my car. Like in the wind, in the front windshield, and then it's gone, and I'm like, "So that happened, okay?" Mm. But yeah, deer. Ugh. And no yeah, matter I, how, and no I, matter how careful you are, they oh, they, yeah. they can get in front of you if they're going to get in front of you. I hit one. We had a, a, a brand new minivan. It's the only new car I've ever bought. I had a brand new minivan. And uh, we were driving. It was like the first week we got it. And uh, my mom was in a in a rehab place um, outside of Baltimore. And I was driving my dad to go see her. And what happened was we passed some cars, and a deer came out literally in between the cars coming the other direction. Oh wow! So I didn't see it. You know, it just came out, and it came out quickly, and uh, just. Bam! Right, brand new, brand new minivan just smashed this thing. Uh, I hope didn't you, I hope it. you didn't total it. Didn't total it, but uh, oh. did put it in the shop for a couple weeks. Huh. Well, but uh, I, I didn't see it coming. You know, I mean, I, until I hit it, it was like yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I'm going to tell one more non-paranormal story, which is the uh, the the dead deer story. Uh, have I told you this one before? I feel I like I probably so. have. Well, well if we you had, did, I don't remember it. So we, we had we had gone down to Philly uh, to see ECW's November to Remember. I think '96, and uh, it was a great show. And we're coming back, and my brother had driven, and I had driven, and my brother's behind us, and we're down on one of the turnpikes in Pennsylvania, and it has the cement barrier in the middle, and like three lanes or whatever. And I'm on the lane by the cement barrier, and suddenly there's just blood all over the road. And we're like, ah, man, truck must have hit a deer. And as we come around the sharp corner, yeah, there's the deer hmm. dead um, in my lane. And there's no time for me to, like, react. Oh, okay. Yeah. So okay. I drove straight over the deer carcass, which let out, like, a gunshot, like, bang as it hit the bottom of the car. And uh, one of my friends who was asleep in the back seat suddenly shoots upright. And he's like, what was that? We're like, deer. He's like, alive or dead? Dead before or after you hit it? Before, he's like, okay. And he just goes right back to sleep. (laughs) And we're like, that was weird. But my brother's behind us. So he sees all the blood. And then suddenly he sees my car puke a deer at him. (laughs) Like a scented airborne in front of his car. And he's like, oh, God. And he was able to get into the other lane before it, like, came crashing down on the road. Wow. And we were like, 
okay, let's let's stop at the next rest area. And so we pulled into the next rest area, and I'm like, let me look under the car. And I look under the car, and there's just deer guts hanging from everything under the car. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, man, all right. But I don't see anything leaking or anything like that. It did damage something. It, was, it took a few weeks for it to, to manifest. Mm-hmm. But, like, whatever it damaged, I was like, so could that have happened when I hit the dead deer? My mechanic's like, yeah. <laughs> but uh, we get there, and I'm looking under the car. This other couple comes walking by, and they're like, you hit it too, didn't you? <laughs> but, yeah, that was, that was, a, that was a scary moment because, you know, no cell phones. We're in Pennsylvania, like four hours away, middle yeah. of the night. But luckily, we got home okay. So your highway thing reminded me of something. I don't know if we want to hit this now or save it for another show. We can. Go for it. So I had a, a witness on recently, semi-recently, talking about, you know, flannel man experience. And it was, uh, they were driving on a highway in Canada. And they said, no, no one should have been in the middle of this highway. Your dear story reminded me of this. And they said, suddenly there's this guy kind of sitting on the median. He was wearing a white flannel shirt. And uh, they said their impression of him is the guy and his wife both saw it. They said their impression and, and the way they told the story from that, from that moment until they heard about the flannel man phenomenon was that they saw a ghost. Uh, he was wearing, a, I think, a white flannel shirt, they said, and jeans and so forth. And once they heard the flannel man stories like, well, you know, maybe, maybe this was something else and, you know, came on strange familiars and told a story. And I had someone comment on Facebook, basically like, okay, big deal. They saw a guy in a flannel shirt alongside a highway. You're telling me that, you know, that, and my argument to that was we're talking about witness impression here. And with all of this stuff and the witness is telling me, no, there was something weird about this. There was something weird that made this, not, you know, stand out to them as being not just some guy in the middle of the highway. They felt it was something unusual, something paranormal. Mm-hmm. And my argument was that if we remove witness impression from this, then you can write off literally every flannel man story as being just some guy in a flannel shirt. You could write off many, many other, you know, uh, paranormal experiences, if not all of them, as something else, and that the the fact to me that the fact that it it was worthy to put on the show was the witness impression. The witness impression was that this was something very unusual and very strange, and, and you know, and it stuck with yeah. Me. So like, I wouldn't say you could, I, I wouldn't say you could write off everyone. I mean, if you see flannel, like, didn't you have a story where like someone walked through the house and flannel man would be there sometimes? Oh yeah, yeah, several like that. So, I mean, that's, that's not a real guy that just happens to be hanging out in their house, probably. Probably, but, I mean, if you want to be, like, a hard-ass skeptic, you could say, like, someone broke in, right? Yeah. But you would think there would be a different interchange then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, sometimes the, the, the very normal, like, something that doesn't seem like it's necessarily abnormal can feel very out of place. Mm-hmm. And that's very hard to, to determine whether you're dealing with something unusual or... You know, or if it's just the the circumstance. You know, there are some filmmakers who are great at taking really normal stuff and making it feel really off. Right, yeah. You know, and like, so it's hard to tell if it's just the way we're perceiving it 
as being off or if there's something just off about it. Mm-hmm. Because you definitely have plenty of that, and usually it's associated with other phenomena. So that suggests that there is something actually off about it. Yeah, and, w- and my argument is that like witness impression means a lot with this stuff because we weren't there. Right. Right. Yeah. We, we don't know because we, we weren't there. Exactly. We weren't in that car. We didn't see it. And we can, you know, Monday morning quarterback all we want. So oh, they just saw a normal guy, but we weren't there. They were there. The witness was there. And with most of these things, we, if we don't rely on what the witness says and witness impression, then we really don't have a lot of stories to go with, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like, here's the other thing. So what if sometimes that's the precursor to an experience, you know, like you see something sort of out of place and maybe that opens your mind enough to have a bigger experience a few moments later? Well, exactly. And that's what, so I've been talking about these sort of, I've been calling them like type A and type B flannel man experiences. Originally I was getting the type A kind, like, uh, you know, Allison's experience where you wake up and, and they see a flannel man or they wake up, go get a drink, walk, you know, walk back to the bedroom and they, they're seeing this flannel man. But then I started to get these other experiences where people would say, well, wait a minute. You know, I, I, I had this experience in this haunted place with these ghosts and stuff. But earlier in the night, we were stopped by this guy wearing a flannel shirt and it was just weird enough where they remembered it. Right, you know what I mean? Right. And so now we're starting to get these other stories of these sort of out of place guys in flannel shirts that are sort of adjunct to these other experiences. So you may in fact be onto something there. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. All right. And, well, and those have become my sort of my favorite. Those and, and like the bunny man stories we talked about where, yeah. yeah, they could just be guys in bunny suits, but people are saying they're like, they're really out of place and they're really strange. So yeah, and and not every guy in a bunny suit is out of place and strange. That's the thing, because you, right. you you know because people do stuff like that, and you're like, oh sure. look, it's a guy in a bunny suit. But every once in a while, you're like, why is it, that's weird? You know, mm-hmm. why mm-hmm. is that standing out to me the way it is? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. The, John uh, came on and told one. You know, it happened about five miles from my house, and. Until I started asking the questions about it, like he, he heard one of the Buddy Man episodes and basically he said like he was driving down a road and saw a guy at night dressed as a bunny in a bunny suit and uh, he was waving at cars passing by. He was sitting in a chair in a field. He was illuminated. And I said, I asked him, I was like, how was he illuminated? And he couldn't answer. It. And that's when he's like, oh, I never thought about that. And maybe that's the brain's way of interpreting something that is not that, but it has no nothing else, nothing else to map onto it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, ne- it needs that camouflage. Oh, weird thing I've never experienced before. It's a bunny man in the, in the, in the field. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's a Bigfoot. It's, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a pterodactyl. It's all of the above. <laughs> exactly. Bigfoot in a bunny suit riding a pterodactyl. Ooh, that would be a fun time. (laughs) All right. This seems like a good place to end this conversation. Where did the road go is made possible in part by our awesome patrons. And for those of you pledging $10 or more, an extra special thanks. Allison Cook, Super Inframan, Tim, Stone Wilderness, Luke Osborne, Rob Drummond, Alex Whitcomb, Nadine, Damian Tallman, Edu Camahort, 
Tactical Therapist, Janet Bunderson, 36 Dingo, Maria, Jennifer Campbell, American Rambler, Kevin, John Rutledge Foster, Eric Citron, Andy McNamara, Sasha Yorg, Matthias Sunby, James Lattimore, Sam Sheeran, Dominic O'Malley, Christopher Vaughn, Riker and Stark, Sean Cosgrove, Jose A., Roger Gonzalez, Craig Cicernos, Ray Benedetto, Linz Jackson K., Alfred Tuttle, Kevin Shrek, Patricia Gaiaquinta, William Lovelace, Mark Brady, Chris is a hot dog a sandwich, and Carla Mahoney. Thank you all so very much. And uh, we're, we're going to go out with some music from you. Do you have anything you prefer us to play? Hmm. Let's say, um, jeebies. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you, you only have a few things out. Yeah, there's there's only a couple songs. Um, Long Lankin from the Cryptids album. All right. And, of course, all your stuff is available on Bandcamp. Stonebreath.bandcamp.com, yeah. Uh, Where the Footprints End, Volume 1, is coming soon. I don't know how the virus is going to slow production on the book and so forth, but uh, hopefully April or May, we'll see. But uh, essentially, Josh and I are finished. We just need to uh, kind of put the polishing touches on and, and get it out. Awesome. I can't wait. We will be back on to talk about that for sure. Oh, I'm sure. All right, everyone. Stay healthy and uh, be yeah. kind. Be yes, kind exactly. And we'll see you next time. And that 
find everything Where Did the Road Go related at www.wheredidtheroadgo.com. And thank you so much for your support. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.